You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome. It's good to see you here. This is it. The show that we've been talking about for about two weeks now, it's here. This is me and Lauren's new variety show called All Mixed Up. I'm going to keep this pre-roll brief. It's a great show that has a lot of different aspects to it, different segments. And today's theme is moving forward. 
It's a good metaphor for Houndsman XP, our lives with dogs, and, well, everything, really. So sit back, everybody, and enjoy. This is the first installment of many, and we are very excited to bring it to you as a part of the Houndsman XP Podcast Network. Thanks for coming, and enjoy. The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsmen of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsmen. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. Lauren Vranny is in the house. What's up, dude? Hey, Seth. This will be a new fun experience, won't it? It will. I'm very excited to announce the launch of our new show. We're calling it All Mixed Up. It's going to be a variety show that's got tons of different segments, tons of different little uh, bits and pieces that are all following a similar theme. Lauren, why don't you break down this, this month's theme? This month's theme is moving forward. So we've got a bunch of segments in here for you guys. You're going to enjoy, enjoy, and everything's going to be connected, but at the same time mixed up because look who you're listening to. You've got Seth and Lauren, right? (laughs) (laughs) The, The king and queen of random and energy, I feel. Yeah. So hopefully this will be exciting, and I'm I'm really excited to hear what we've got uh, in store for everybody on this episode. Me too. I'm looking super forward to it. Chris has been graciously announcing and that we got some in the pipeline and uh, we have two on Patreon. So here it is and here it comes. We're, we're pretty excited to uh, bring it to you guys. So uh, I guess we can totally get started. I'm going to break the ice with a little bit of HXP happenings here. Uh, I just want everyone to know uh, by the time you hear this episode, I will be right on the cusp of heading to British Columbia uh, to represent Houndsman XP and Freedom Hunters. I am unbelievably excited for that. And I can't wait. This will be my first time uh, leaving the United States. And it'll also be my first time uh, seeing a bear in a tree, I hope. And so, right. What, when were, I know you've left the U.S. Where have you gone, Lauren? Oh, uh, well, I haven't gone anywhere outside of the U.S. to hunt, um, but I, so my major in, in university was Spanish, um, so that's helped me as my in my travels abroad. What I've gone I... to <laughs> Mexico, Puerto Rico, Panama, Costa Rica, Ecuador. Um, I haven't been to Canada, so I'm kind of jealous of you there, but, you know. I don't it know is how what much it is. Spanish you can use in Canada. Well, yeah, it wasn't tacos, burritos, yeah. the classics. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, Canada will be uh, a good experience for you. And British Columbia, from what I've seen and my friends that are there, it's just absolutely stunning. I hope so too. 
I know it's going to so be raining looking- the whole time, so I'm not too pumped for that. But it was raining the whole time I was in Oregon, and I still had a great I was time. just going to say, like, you should, you've got, you've got rain gear. You'll be fine, and you'll, yeah, you'll be fine. And by the time this episode is dropping, I'll be at a convention uh, for the Wisconsin Conservation Congress. Oh, awesome. Yeah. You're just going to be uh, keeping your ear down and paying attention to what's moving on forward there? Yep, yep. So it's it's really neat. Um kind of moving forward with my career, I guess you could say in conservation and my interest in conservation. And I'm a delegate for Dodge County. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be my first experience there. So I'm going to just be all ears and wherever I can help, I can. Um, but it's the first time that I will ever experience any of this. So I just am excited to see how all of this works, especially when it comes to the spring hearings and how Wisconsin and the Conservation Congress is going to be more moving forward with those results. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. I Wisconsin has such a such a charged atmosphere when it comes to the outdoors, I've noticed. And I'm very fortunate. I live in a state that has a little bit more of a laid back atmosphere, but mm-hmm. I am super glad that someone with your energy and enthusiasm is there to represent hound hunting in the great state of Wisconsin. Lauren, also, I wanted to bring up some cool stuff here. Uh, For Houndsman XP moving forward, we're also bringing on two new awesome guests. And uh, I'm very excited. Three, two or three. Am I that out of the loop? But possibly three. Three. It possibly could be three from what I'm hearing in the pipeline. Well, you heard us talk about it in our last point blank OG three, which by the way, great, great title. So, uh, (laughs) Alex, I can't wait for those two guys. I know them very well, uh, from the show. And also Alex, I know on a more personal level, we've chatted quite a bit. That guy is awesome. And he's going to be bringing cool content from the land down under. He is so, and, and totally like, international not just yeah i was gonna say he's so well traveled mm-hmm. super smart guy and then there's announcements think, from the coon hunting world too yeah well i think we're gonna learn a lot um with us being so new in this i think having these um people have their own shows everybody's gonna learn a lot and it's just gonna be super well-rounded network so we've got steve burkholder coming in awesome the guy with the 10 gallon hat or five gallon <laughs> hat. I don't know what they're called, but yeah. So Steve's coming in and then we've got Heath Hyatt to cover yes. pretty much everything that leads up to right before you drop that tailgate. Which is, I would say 80% of hunting with dogs, maybe 60%, I suppose, depending on the breed yeah. and the type you're hunting. That's, that's a fair analysis. Bird dogs, way more. Sighthounds, maybe slightly less. I think we may mm-hmm. have the easiest training regimen of all time. See them, get them. <laughs> Probably. And your dogs are just so relaxed when they're at home too. Oh, they're well. just, I mean, they're pretty chill most of the time. Not all I the time. I love that the about time. them. That's my favorite thing mm-hmm. about sidehounds. I got six of them in the house right now and they haven't made a peep. <laughs> That's well, awesome. Four, four or four sidehounds. But anyway, yeah, they're the best. Some, And I'm not going to let this go, this segment for HXP Happenings without, I got to, speaking of those mutants, I'm so pumped, you guys. I got to bring this up. I You're have getting been a puppy. Running- What's up? Are you getting a puppy? No, no. Oh my oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> no. I have been running just my two Salukis and the patrons listening to this, they already are getting a taste of this excitement. 
I've been running just my two Salukis. They have coming into their prime. Strider is now uh, two and a half almost. And Comet is uh, almost two. And those two boys have been just slamming, just slamming. And I am so proud of them. It feels amazing. I I just was so excited to see what my life with just purebred Salukis was going to be like. And I'm going to be honest here. And this is going to... This is just the way it is, but I'm becoming a believer. I think uh, I'm really loving my Salukis a lot. Their durability is definitely their best feature. And they have been slaying hairs. They caught two, put one in a hole. Uh, The patrons are already seeing some of that slow motion footage, some of those full on races. I've been getting it with a GoPro and it's just, it has me on cloud nine. Every time I look at those two sleeping on the couch, I just, I just want to go over there and pat them on the head and tell them how good they are and how proud of them I am. I know that sounds oh, so awesome. corny because they're dogs, but man, I, they just make me so happy and I'm, I'm super pumped about it. Yeah. So bear training season here starts July 1st, but I've kind of been tuning up Piper and Ridge to, um, cause we took a break after coon season ended, but I've been tuning them back up to for coon hunting right now, mm-hmm. um, just to see and push them kind of to their limits and see what they can do and see where they excel just so I learn them better. And I might be putting them in some competition hunts. I don't know. Um, but it's kind of been fun just to hunt the two of them and not take a huge pack of dogs mm-hmm. out or not just take one dog out because these two are split training, which is a good thing when you're doing coon hunting. Yeah. But I also know that they do honor, um, especially when in a bear pack. So It'll just be interesting to see how everything plays out this year. Heck yeah, dude. I, I River is looking unbelievable. I've, I've got it kind of gushed about it a little bit two weeks ago, but man, she's looking so beautiful. I love her color pattern and her body's just amazing. Yeah, she's got a great bod. <laughs> she's hot. <laughs> um, no, she's like, she's one of the best looking dogs that I have. Like, screw the rest of them. Like, she is the, the cake tapper. She's perfect. Poor Cedar so. and her weird eyes yeah she's she's a she's a little weird um <laughs> oh yeah and i finished ridge to confirmation champion and the dog show. That. yeah nice. so that was that was good um but yeah what else do we have to talk about Seth, today because i know we've got some kind of fun stuff to talk about i couldn't agree more let's get right into it here comes the news All right, guys, we got some cool news we're going to talk about here. Lauren, why don't you break us off? You are the undisputed queen of the internet when it comes to the HXP troop. No one even comes close to you. And the story you sent me this today, I read it and I literally just, I, I was like, I didn't spit out my coffee, but I made that same sound. It's so ridiculous. Talk, talk about the puppy. Yeah, the puppy. So they thought. So a Massachusetts family thought they rescued a stray puppy. Okay, good for them. Great. It turned out to be a coyote or a coyote (laughs) or a coyote, however you call them. Um, So that was a surprise, I'm sure. So a Massachusetts family was surprised to learn that a lost puppy they rescued was, in fact, a baby coyote. (laughs) <laughs> the male now how many was... of you guys know the difference between like a dog a puppy dog and a wild coyote 
I mean, I, I hope like... a lot of our listeners, right? Yeah. Because like we're in the outdoors, we're connected to nature. We're not completely, you know, urban gorillas, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, we're like wild gorillas with the G-U-E spelling. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it was a male coyote pup. Um, yeah, it was found they... wandering and distressed on the side of the road. Um, and there's a Facebook post about it. I mean, I'm not going to be too critical on them because, you know, everyone knows don't mess with wildlife and, and take it from someone who works with wildlife. If you see wildlife, just leave them alone. I know it sucks, but that's nature. And But I mean, they they genuinely thought it was a dog. And so they picked it up. I just think that's hilarious. I, I mean, I don't know if they can keep it legally in the state of Massachusetts, but I would. That'd be awesome. I highly doubt it because like the Massachusetts regulations, even for trapping and stuff, like if they have the one of some of the highest regulations for that, or maybe they outlawed trapping. I don't know. Someone correct me. But chances are you can't keep a coyote as a pet unless you're like a wildlife rehabber. Um, yeah, probably. So they picked it up, they put it in their car, and then shortly later they realized, oh, this might not be a dog. And sure enough, yeah, it wasn't. Um, but just like let wildlife be, you know, let nature take its course type of thing when it comes to like, don't go and try and save baby fawns and let the eagle eat, you know, this little squirrel or whatever it is. You don't have to go and save everything. Yeah, well, that's true. And I mean, it's kind of hard to say no to a puppy, but yeah, I'm actually looking right now at Massachusetts, it's wildlife laws. And just like New Mexico's pretty much all you can keep in the like animals from the wild Massachusetts are herps. So uh, rodents and uh, reptiles and amphibians. So uh, you got to have a permit to own a coyote, like you were saying. So, got it. Yep. So yeah, happening. this, this pup, this pup is going to be rehabbed and it's going to be brought up with another pup that they already had. And then um, hopefully then released, but it was just, it was funny. I saw that and I'm like, man, I really want to know who these people are. Hmm. Like, what do they look like? Where do they live? Why are we so disconnected with nature that, you know, that, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's <laughs> moving amazing. on. Yeah. Moving on, going to the next law. Yeah, what do we've got next? Well, we've got this, uh, okay, a California lawmaker proposes a dog and cat bill of rights. The first thing I'm going to say is only in California would someone decide they need to codify something like that. I just... Yeah, and this this isn't super new news. It's kind of been circulating, but we wanted to talk about it because, come on, like, come on but you know california and vermont and massachusetts like things start there like that's the nucleus of this animal rights definitely agree with that thing and and it's gonna spread but like yeah it's kind of a virtue signaling thing so what's in the bill of rights bill of rights well i'm just gonna paraphrase actually it's had some word changing from have the right to to deserve which is actually a good word changing less uh less arrogant but you know i think it kind of boils down to like um you know dogs and cats deserve to be free from exploitation cruelty neglect and abuse dogs and cats deserve a life of comfort free of fear and anxiety dogs and cats deserve mental stimulation and appropriate exercise considering the age and energy level of the cat or dog they deserve nutritious food sanitary water look okay all this stuff i agree yeah who doesn't agree with that here's the thing 
These kinds of laws can be loopholed. They can be pigeon, uh, like pigeonholed to fit someone's agenda. The place that it's going to be dogs and cats deserve to be free from exploitation, cruelty, neglect, or abuse. You're going to look at the obvious ones. Oh yeah. Don't neglect them and beat them up. But someone could interpret that in a court of law being exploitation or hunt or cruelty to hunting with a dog. How many people think that you like force them to go hunting? And it's totally absurd. And I just feel like, why does this stuff have to be codified in law? Why can't we just like accept these principles of animal ownership and like, they don't need to be a law. That's like what gets me so annoyed because then once it becomes a law, people will use it as a weapon to crush their like, you know, uh, people that don't hold similar belief systems as them, i.e. us. (laughs) And I mean, I'm not advocating for hunters anybody i'm not even gonna say hunters i'm gonna say anybody who mistreats an animal like that that's messed up but to their interpretation of what is exploitation and cruelty is a lot different than ours i feel yeah definitely um you're right codifying this into law is just i think there just needs to be a better movement on education and outreach and a um a lot of the problem like the bill is apparently in response to millions of dollars spent every year to euthanize or otherwise control the booming number of dogs and cats. Okay. We know that there's like tons of stray dogs and like backyard bred dogs, no matter the breed, whether it's doodles, bully breeds, um, Labradors, there's backyard bred golden retrievers, all these puppy mills. Like that's where we need to start. A bill of rights is really not where we need to start. We need to start with education and outreach and people knowing that adoption isn't the only way and adoption actually supports backyard breeders and unethical breeders, but going for well-bred, ethically bred, responsibly bred dogs actually will help curb that because real good breeders won't let their dogs be mistreated, won't let their dogs go to places where they'll, they'll be mistreated and um, they won't go into shelters either. So mm. then you're not spending all this money. Because I think the main takeaway from homes. this for hound hunters is just, guys, make sure that you're putting your best foot forward with your dog setups. I mean, that's just simple, right? Um, mm-hmm. And don't let unneutered and unspayed animals out into the public because that that is the biggest just, hit. That's like shooting ourselves in the yep. foot. So, just be responsible. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we all have are, intact dogs. It's actually fairly easy to control the yeah. the dynamic between your pack. My dogs, my dogs can run 40 miles an hour and jump like a thousand feet in the air and they are kept in a secure fence in their five acre yard. And it's not a problem. You know what I mean? Like it's just don't, yeah, put our best foot forward and make sure you're, um, I think if your mom would see your dog set up, would she be all right with it? <laughs> totally. And, uh, yep. Call it good. Let's move yeah. on to the next one. I think these, these next two are the most important we want to get to. Um, why don't you break down the next one for us here? Yeah. So unfortunately, guys, Delaware is moving forward with a barking bill. So this isn't just like an urban area. This isn't just a municipality. This is the entire state of Delaware, guys. So it's House Bill 378 and it's legislation to fine owners for a dog that barks more than 15 minutes. Um, And it's actually a mandate then for police departments to enforce the law. Now you'd think, okay, there's going to be exemptions, um, you know, whether it's location wise, whether it's hunting related, whatever. Right now, the only exemption in there is for dogs barking at intruders and dogs who are provoked. So here I, I had two examples. 
let's say someone lives in a rural area. They're on like 120 acres. No one can hear the dogs, you know, outside of their property. But someone who's a Karen or who knows um, is walking by or riding their ATV or their bike and they hear these hounds barking and they're like, I'm going to get them. There's no exception for that. Also, there's no exception for hunting. So technically, a dog baying or barking during a hunt would be subject to violation. $100 for first offense. Second offense is $200 and $300 for each offense after that. It's just entirely unnecessary. Um, Just stay in touch with Sportsman's Alliance. Follow them on Instagram. We've got a website, too. And if you go there, you can find the list of all the representatives that you need to contact. And I'm just going to say this Delaware hound hunters, like you guys look, nobody likes their neighbor's dog barking all night. Like we get that this law doesn't have a ton. It it has some aspects of it that sound incredibly appealing. One thing though, is you need to get mobilized to get amendments put into this law that protect your hunting dogs, because somebody could use that as a weapon to um, not be so kind to your hunting dogs that have something treated. So uh, that's all and we're just saying. Put your best foot forward. You know, no one likes. I mean, we don't like barking dogs all the time. That's why we invest in bark collars. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> so. my buddy's neighbor hasn't. Trust me. Oh my gosh, just her two chihuahuas barking all night. I'm, I was just hoping a great horn owl would come down and take them both out. Oh my gosh. One day, it could happen. <laughs> it could happen. It's, it's true. My friend's chihuahua named Hercules. When we were little kids, we were bouncing on his trampoline. Hercules got jacked by a great horn owl. So first sound example, like, it can like, happen. Like picked up, taken away, flown away, yeah. and never to be seen again. Never to be seen again. Gone. Broad I daylight? No, in the middle of the night. Oh, okay. My parents used to love playing a card game called Rummy. And we'd have like these mm-hmm. big uh, gatherings every Saturday night. And the kids would all go play. And we were all bouncing on a trampoline. And Hercules got eaten by an owl right by us, dude. Well, maybe just maybe chihuahuas I mean, don't need to exist. Horrible dog doesn't need needless <laughs> to say because he was a chihuahua, but yeah, <laughs> he was a horrible dog. So I was I wasn't sad to see Hercules go. I hope the owl had a nice feast. It's a good him. story. <laughs> it's a good story. Um, and then of course, I mean, you're talking to a girl from Wisconsin here, so we have to talk about wolves, right? <laughs> Let's break it down. Speaking okay. of Sportsman's Alliance, yeah. Um, thank you, Sportsman's Alliance, for everything that you're doing and the communications that you're keeping out. Absolutely. Um, so you might have seen, I did post on like our Facebook group, um, the Biden administration issued a notice of appeal in the lower 48 wealth case. So that um, case that went to California and the judge was like, yep, nope, wolves are going back on the ESA. Nothing can be done about it. Bing, bang, boom. Well, apparently the Biden administration has issued a notice of appeal. So it doesn't even mean they've appealed it yet, but they said that they're going to. Um, So we'll see what happens. You know, we can only cross our fingers and hope for the best. I'm not holding my breath. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I I think it's a good step in the, it's a right. I can't even talk. It's a good step in the right direction, but uh, I think this is maybe a rare example where putting your money on the science is beating political views, I hope. So we'll see how that goes. Um, But that would be awesome. That's definitely, I'm just with an animal like wolves that are so controversial and uh, obviously rebounding throughout their range with protection, which they do need at times. uh, 
I think in certain areas, yeah, I think it's better to uh, kind of leave that to the states because animals like these are definitely a cultural. There's a huge cultural aspect to them, and uh, I just don't think that people in New York should be legislating what's happening in rural Montana. So that's just kind of my two cents about it from my limited scope of predator biology. But yeah, yeah. I just uh, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not this goes looking. Through. Yeah. And, and who knows when this is actually going to happen. You know, everybody saw that and they're kind of getting excited. I'm like, I'm not like really, because right now nothing's changing. I'm still July 1st is coming faster than you know it. And we are head on into this wolf situation and I don't think it's going to be pretty. I'm not looking forward to bear training season as much as I normally do. I mean, I mean, I just get because it. of the population. I, so. I mean, I, yeah. I can empathize. I don't have that problem, but I can definitely empathize with you. That would be terrible. I the only thing I got to worry mm-hmm. about is is barbed wire fences, and they don't run up to my tree and kill my kill my dogs. Right. Yeah. And I shared that video on our group too. Of you can hear the hounds in the background, and you can see the wolf just zoom right past the trail camera towards the dogs, and um, five dogs were taken in that area of that trail cam mm. that year, I believe. So and that was 2017. That's when the wolf population was like even lower than it is now. Yeah. But moving on. Yes, yes. So guys, we're going to just roll right into our second segment here. Lauren, if I can be so bold, I'm just going to roll it right in. The new segment is called New Dog in the Kennel. And Lauren sat down with a really good interview with her friend Kendall. And they just talked about all things getting started into dogs. And Lauren and her had a very similar story. So... Without further ado, let's roll right into it. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Like, we've all been there. And, like, if if you were born in the limelight and that's what you're supposed to do, then you're not people like us, right? Right. <laughs> like, you don't live in the woods and you don't, like, walk through cow manure and, you know, you're not training dogs and making stuff out of coon fat and fur and who knows what else you're just a different breed if you are automatically okay being interviewed and you know stick to it and do well with it right away so yeah yeah um so we've been talking like kind of back and forth and just liking each other's stories and just kind of seeing each other's lives through instagram um and that's how we met and this is actually the first time that we're talking voice to voice not even face to face um so but what i was intrigued about and what i loved about your story is that it was so similar to mine which is why i wanted to feature you on this like little segment that we're doing for our show um which is like new dog in the kennel which could be like a new houndsman or a new puppy that you're starting to train um and i really liked your story because it was so similar to mine and you got your first hound from where? Yeah, um, well, he was technically my first coon hound. I've had uh, a couple dogs. I had a black and tan that um, has been a deer dog for me for, she's about nine or ten now. Um, and I actually had a bird dog cross growing up that lived to be 20. We just put her down no. two years ago. Yeah, so dogs What is her secret? I know, right? I think just she was just obsessed with being with me. She wasn't ready to go. (laughs) So that was wild because I had that dog for two-thirds of my life. You know, I'm 32, so she was with me for a really long time. But um, um, as far as the hounds go, um, this black and tan I've had 
<clears throat> I just got her as sort of a pet, whatever, maybe a deer dog. Um, she actually blood trailed a deer at 11 weeks old for three and a half hours. <clears throat> On purpose or she just happened? I, just accidentally. I had her with me and I was crossing creeks with her trying. Her mama hated to cross a creek for whatever reason. So I had her out and she was real little and we were just going for a walk in the middle of deer season. It was a windy day, so it wasn't any good for hunting. And um, I took a poor shot at a deer um and basically like i couldn't find blood couldn't find a thing and she she was with me kind of just milling around not really know what was going on and all of a sudden she just took off i was like where in the world oh is she going God. she was 11 weeks old you know and she came back to me and she'd take off again so i went to looking where she had been smelling and finally got on a really decent blood trail and um i was like what i guess 20 and i just started hunting when i was 19 so i was you know, I didn't know enough not to take poor shots then. But anyway, four hours later, we found the deer um, and she stayed on the track the whole time. And she, she'd go 100 yards from me and come back, go 100 yards, come back. Yeah, but right she was still on her mission the entire time. She just wanted yeah. to make sure you were on the mission, too. Yeah. <laughs> and to this day, to this day, I can go take her and find deer for people. She does the same thing to this day. She's a little slower. But <laughs> anyway, so that was kind of my first like i don't know exposure to like what the hounds are capable of and me and that dog got pretty bonded so what was her name um uh gracie gracie she was just an old uh non-papered black and tan um but um but yeah i still got her and um but with timey i think the dog you were referring to the walker dog yeah um, the male yeah the male he so i have a little farm here and i have some neighbors i farm with and what's my, your one of what's your farm name? Uh, Whipperwill Farm. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to bring in. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, my neighbor he farms with me. He's seventy-one. Um, he helps me a lot, and he had had a blue tick he was real fond of that had passed away unexpectedly. And I was like, I got to find him another hound. So we went to the county pound, and they had the guy that told us up. He likes black and tans, and the guy had told us they had an old black and tan. I was like, let's go look at this dog. Well, we went up there, and Timey, the walker dog, was up there, and he opened his mouth, and Donnie heard him. He's like, I want that one. I said, okay. So we brought him home. Well, a few months later, he's like, you know, I think that dog's been hunted some. Why don't you take him out and coon hunt him? I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I knew a little bit or whatever. I was like, oh, whatever. I don't know. Well, I took him out one night. The first thing he ever retrieved for me was a possum. But that's that first, okay. That first locate and hearing him on the tree and going to him, like, I was addicted. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I still have it on video, I think. No way. And, you uh, caught it on video. That's awesome. Did he, yeah, that, did you even have a tracking car or anything or you just went out like old school? Yeah, I had actually went out. It was training season for bear here. So I had actually been getting pictures of a bear. And I had taken him and Gracie just to see if they would mess with it, just for, you know, whatever, right. something to do in the middle of the night. <laughs> and later that night, they did run a bear. Um, and later that night, I had got the dogs back. And, um, of course, they didn't know what they were doing. They ran, got to the main highway and came home. And uh, at least we're pretty sure they ran a bear. But anyway, uh, we were walking home, and I knew they were following me. And... I heard him strike, and I sat there and just hit record, and I like listening to him. He's got a really pretty ball mouth. I know a lot of people might not like that competition hunt, but oh, I love him. Um, 
but I heard him strike and I heard him locate and I heard him tree. And that's the first time I'd ever really heard any of it. You know what I mean? And the um, fact that you got all three at once, the, the, the strike and then, you know, the ball on track and the locate, which is, you know, I have a dog that won't locate, um, worth a darn. And then the, the tree, you got that all on video. Yeah. That was all. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. And I, yeah, I went to him and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I think I hunted him every night after that for up until season ended. So it was like early December. I took him out that night and I hunted him every night and I just got way too addicted. <laughs> um, do I know that disease or do I know it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That's how it all kind of started with him. And then uh sure enough me and that dog got really tight really fast um and so he quickly became my dog and we ended up going back to the pound getting the black and tan for my buddy so (laughs) a year later yeah (laughs) so 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 you got addicted and now you're moving forward with hounds even more this addiction is blossoming into quite a uh a pack of dogs you've got huh yeah i guess so um I even kind of made a job change a little bit to suit my addiction because I've been farming full time, which you would think would be really conducive to hunting every night. But when you're kind of trying to make your own income and you're your own boss, it's just a lot of stress. And I had been working a seasonal job at a butcher shop and got offered on, you know, full time in January. And I said, you know, it'll be real nice to clock out at five and be able to hunt and not think about work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I kind of, that kind of drove me to do that a little bit, you know, so I'd you have a little more just, income and yeah, and just really be able to focus on the dogs yeah, you and not kind of just take that cape off and lay it, leave it at work. Yeah. So they, they definitely, they definitely had, you know, some influence on that decision. Um, for sure. It's crazy um, how we change our lives to revolve around our dogs. Like I moved out from the city and you know, I've changed. I used to travel the world. I used to, go abroad all the time and now I can't do that really as easily I guess I should say and I've just tailored my life to my dogs and now you've got another dog to tailor tailor your life to huh yeah oh the pup yeah 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 so (laughs) I guess maybe two months into hunting timey every night who I mean he'll still tree a fair amount he doesn't that dog doesn't like to go more than 1500 yards from you which is really nice honestly because when you don't hunt huge tracts of land, you know, it's kind of nice that um, I ain't got to worry about him leaving too much. But yeah. I'd gotten permission to hunt some other farms and stuff, and he got better and better throughout the season. I mean, he was treeing coons regularly. I shot quite a few to him, um, and he definitely got better and better. He'll still end up in a hole or tree possum or whatever, but I don't really care. I mean, he's... you're Yeah, you're not a competition hunter, and, you know, a gamey dog is a fun dog, and that's what they were bred to do. You can't fault him for it. I think it's fun. Oh, he's so fun, you know, and he would have been... He was on the kill list at the pound, so, I mean, whatever. You know, we have a good time. He got me addicted. I think the nice thing about that dog is he's old enough, and he's been hunted before. You can, I mean, you know he has just by some of the things he does, but... I don't feel like I can mess him up too much because he's an older dog. And that's been really nice to kind of learn and figure it out and do the wrong things and it not really hurt the dog too much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, but he's nuts at a tree and I love that. I mean, he just, 
He, and as soon as you get there, he goes even crazier. Like, yeah, he will but get you addicted. <laughs> he just like just the videos I've seen. He just holds pressure and he just stands there. Like he's wild about it. You can tell he's wild about it, but he's not like crazy like my dogs that are jumping all over the place and falling on each other. And <laughs> like he's just a a, a a constant pressure dog. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a really fun dog to hunt. I'm. I've had a good time with him. So, yeah, anyway, a month and a half into hunting him every night, I was like, man, if something happens to this dog, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, because that had become really, I mean, a huge part of me just, like, being happy. And so um, I kept my eyes open for dogs and on Facebook or whatever, not too serious. Um, And I had kind of decided I wanted a pup. I listened to y'all's podcast a bunch and talked to plenty of people, and I was like, you know, I think I could raise a pup and do okay with it. learning from this older dog that older dog's taught me a lot sure um, in the month and, and a half yeah i mean <laughs> i mean every night you know that's a lot of hours <laughs> oh yeah no it's a um, fast initiation and it's a that it, you it's a fast addiction <laughs> oh definitely and i'm kind of like you i think you said in a message one time like i'd love to i'd love to come out with you i'd love to meet other people and join a club and stuff but i really and truly just love being out there with my dog and so that's like, it's kind of, I love partying. I just say like, I love partying with my dogs by myself. Like, I just like being alone with them and that's fine. And, you know, I'll go hunt with some people here and there, but I get the most out of enjoyment, enjoyment, just being out in nature with them by myself. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny. I spent a lot of time in the woods as a kid, um, with that old dog I had for a long time. And so it's just kind of funny. I found myself doing what I was doing as a kid, <laughs> you know? as an adult, you know, for fun. It's just kind of, I don't know, strikes me funny sometimes when I think about it. But, um, but yeah, I'd been looking around for pups, not too seriously or whatever. And there was a couple um, down in Franklin County I had followed. Um, I think they had a picture uh, on a few pages of like their niece with her hound with a bear on the truck. And I had kind of followed them on Instagram a little bit. Well, I saw they had a litter of pups for sale. So I just messaged them and it was in my price range. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go get a pup. <laughs> uh-huh. You just got to so, pull the trigger. Yep. So needed a little project. So yeah, she, she's been a lot of fun. Um, and what's I your name her? Holly. 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 And you had yeah. to, you had to come up with a paper name for her, didn't you? Oh yeah. We went with Whippoorwill's Wildwood Holly. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely perfect. Is she, is she living up to her name? So far, um, she's, she's very independent, very smart, not really into being with other dogs, which has been really cool. Um, if I take her out with the older dogs, she'll usually stay by herself and do her puppy version of hunting. She doesn't have a lot of puppy play in her when you take her out, which is real interesting. Um, but I've done a few scent drags with her and she's nailed those. And I know there's a lot of controversy of her doing that with pups but i mostly have been doing them just to see what she's capable of see if she'll use her nose and stuff and i've been really impressed with her um i had her out one day i think i had messaged you about this i had her out one day just going for a walk and i turned the older dog loose figuring he'd go off and do his own thing or whatever and it was a hot day too and he treed and he had a coon in a den tree and i went to catch him because it was kind of hot and i didn't want him to stay there too long um, i knew he'd stay there all day and I took the puppy up with me, and I've never hunted another dog with that tiny dog, so I had no idea if he'd be, you know, aggressive or, you know, I'd, I never sure. know what to expect out of him coming from the pound. So I was being a little careful taking her over there, 
And damn if she didn't get up on the tree with him and tree. She didn't know what she was doing, but she's got the instinct. I know. When you sent me that, I like, I got this like little sparkly feeling through my whole body. I'm like, no way. This is so cool because like, I feel like I've never even had that happen. I mean, I haven't been hunting a long time. And how long have you been coon hunting? Let's say. Uh, Since December, I guess is when I started hunting. So you are brand spanking new. Yeah, I got a lot to learn. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. But it sounds like you're learning quick, and that old dog is teaching you a whole heck of a lot. And it's it's great that you got him to lead the way. And then you've got this puppy to help keep pushing you forward and moving forward in this, this addiction, this lifestyle, this crazy journey that we're all in together. Yeah, it's definitely hard to tell people about it. You know, I don't think they really get it till you take them out with you one night, you know. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, and what part of the country are you? And you said Franklin County. No, we're, I'm in Burkeville in Virginia, so okay. we're kind of in the, sort of in the Piedmont. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I've never been to that area. But, yeah, so, you know, you're you're in ag, you, you do farming, you're out in, like, a rural area, right? Yeah. But... Yeah. You know, still for you to say, like, it's hard for, for you to tell people about it and hard for people to understand it to take them out. Like, you know, for me, I come from the city and like a lot of my friends are city folk. So for me to say something like that, you'd be like, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. But yeah. then someone like you who comes from like the area that you come from, it's kind of interesting to hear you say that. Well, there's only really a few, I only really know a few older guys around here that used to coon hunt. They don't even have dogs anymore. Um, and I've shown videos, uh, you know, of Holly to them and um, a couple of them have been out with Timey and they were kind of encouraging me to take that dog out. There's like, you know, he might just be a tree dog, but you, you need to hunt that dog. You only get better, you know, or encouraging me about Holly. And that's pretty much my only exposure to other coon hunters. Sure. Yeah. You know? um, what are so. your what are your like longer ambitions with oh with gosh this? yeah like what okay like let's go like year one year and then like three years <laughs> that's kind of what do you want to do say. um <laughs> I don't really know you know I'd love to come to Autumn Oaks and um I think I'd I think I'd like to competition hunt one day um I think I could get really into that uh I don't know. Are you competitive think, in na- competitive in nature, like in general? Yes, I am. Okay. I'm, All I'm right. kind of a loner, but I, I do like to have goals, I think. Um, and I think definitely I'm trying to not be too goal-oriented with a pup. You know, I don't want to have expectations of her sure. um, that I shouldn't. So I, I hate to, like, you know, jump on that too quick. But um, I don't know. I think just getting that pup off to a good start. I it's think, kind of my goal for the year. You honestly, know, I, and, I think you got a good one, and you're on the right track. And I think um, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, too, lately. I think uh, finding other people like you or people who will come let me hunt with them, you know, go hunt with some other people, some other dogs, learn from some other people. Um, and hopefully maybe that means traveling a little bit, you know, or, or whatever. Um but like I said, I do have a farm, so it's kind of, if I, some of these goals are going to require a lot of, uh, moving things around and, you know, sure. changing up life a little bit, but, um, but yeah, and it like, sounds crazy when you talk about yeah, it. Yeah. And, and like, currently you don't necessarily have like a mentor, like by you that, oh, you know, no, no, is totally I, involved. I, I, listen, 
Yeah, like the podcast, Instagram, anything I can get my hands on, like social media or podcast wise. I just try to take it all in and then figure out what makes sense to me. Yeah, you can cherry pick. With my understanding of dogs and um, I think having I think having you and like other females and like knowing there's other women out there doing this solo has been really helpful because just in the hunting community around here, I mean, you don't there there are very few women hunters that I know personally. So mm-hmm. um totally. And, and actually speaking of that, I I really want to have like an all ladies coon hunt like twice a year. <laughs> like and take you know, other girls out that have never been. That's kind of that, Oh my gosh. That would be so awesome to organize and I would be full game like i would love to plan that with you or, or you know however we can make it work there is a pink hunt i think it's in ohio every year it's a competition hunt though um mm-hmm. and bench show so there is like an all women's like competition event um for coon hounds when or if you decide to to broach that that part of the um this the sport um but it i think it's i think that's great to bring up that we can you know kind of talk about this lifestyle as far as you know women and get involved just as women and just meet each other and hunt with each other and form a bond that way yeah no I think I I just think I know some people who would really enjoy it you know who might not get invited by somebody else yeah that's kind of it's kind of my thinking. Yeah, with that. I think but, between um, you me and a couple other girls I think we can get a good group of women together no, that would be that would be awesome. That would be um, so awesome. Thank okay. Message me so that's in my mind so we can keep working on this because you have that idea. I did not even have that idea. That's awesome. Well, and you've got the dogs. <laughs> so <laughs> I definitely I mean I have them. It doesn't mean that they're good. <laughs> well, that's the thing about it really, I think, for pleasure hunting is they don't have to be good right. for you to have a good time, you know, and I right. think I'm kind of trying to, That's that would be my hesitation getting into the competition hunts is just remembering why I'm doing it, you know. That's um, why I enjoy just like going out and hunting. Like I just hunted a lot in the winter for for pleasure just to like let the dogs work and see what would happen. And I don't necessarily enjoy the competition stuff. It's, I don't know, it's not totally my my cup of tea, but I'll do it to prove my dogs if I know that they can be proven that way and kind of just my mentor has done so much to breed what I've got for 60 years that I kind of owe it to him to do it too. So. Well, and I think you always owe it to a good dog, you know, good if point. they're good enough, then they should be in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, I mean, sure. you at least have to try and see if they've got what it takes. And if, if they aren't, you know, what's made for competition now or what will work for competition now, who cares? Just go hunt your dog and, and, the pleasure format and have a good time and get out in nature and let that dog be happy. Yeah. Dang. You've got such a cool story. And the fact that you've only been hunting for like not even a year, right? Yeah. With the coon hunting for sure. Yeah. Um, I mostly just deer and bow hunted, you know. And then you Uh, haven't even been doing that that long. You weren't a hunter like growing up. It sounded like. No, my brother hunted and I really didn't. Um, I didn't really get into it till I was about 19. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I was like 25 when I got into it. Um, so yeah, just late. I mean, 19 is not that late in life, but it's not like you've been hunting since you were five years old. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, but in the coon hunting too, it's just so accessible. I mean, 
you don't need a whole lot of stuff, <laughs> you know, and you just need one dog really mm -hmm. to go have a good time. And I don't know. I just like the simplicity of it. Really. Do you yeah. ever want to go bear hunting? Oh, that is yes. <laughs> okay. Just, yeah. You just struck a nerve. I am dying to go <laughs> see a bear in a tree with some dogs under it. Like that's. Well, that you live in a state something. that you can do it. So if you can find your connections, I know getting into a bear hunting crowd is kind of clicky and tough. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You've got to see it. I mean, I never thought that I would be a bear hunter. I started and I was like, I'm going to be a competition coon hunter. And that's what I thought I was going to do my whole life. And then I got out bear hunting one time with my ex-boyfriend. I was like, this is pretty cool. And then the next year I did it with my dog and I kind of got over the wolf thing for a little while and did it. And now I'm hooked, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, bears are one of my favorite animals for sure. And we've got, we're getting a whole lot more um, around here than we used to have. I killed one with the bow last fall, which is crazy to me because growing up, we never saw bears. Um, so. Congrats. Yeah, they're, they're just amazing. I love, I love bears. And I mean, coons are kind of not really, people don't think about them being similar, but you can use all parts of them. I mean, the hide, the meat, the fat everything yeah so I, tell I, me a little bit that. about that like how you've learned to use the coon in your minimal experience in time in this whole coon hunting shenanigan well i like i said i do i don't well i guess i didn't mention in the beginning of the show or whatever but i do work in a butcher shop um but i've always done work with my hands all the jobs i've had and um I got really into using bear fat during deer season. We do deer at the butcher shop and um, most of the people who killed bear didn't want the fat back. So I would, I was bringing it home and rendering it down Ooh, and using it for gold. everything. Yeah. And the first coon I cleaned that we killed, I killed with timey. I'm like, dang, these things are a whole lot like bear, you know, just everything about them, the meat, the fat, the hide. So I started saving the fat off of them. And, um, I haven't done a whole lot of cooking with the coon fat cause I've got so much bear grease here, but, um, it, it's great. Like boot, it basically, the properties are really similar to bear. I mean, you can use it in your boots. Um, you can make candles. I mean, anything like that. And yeah, I mean, you can get a pile of fat off of one coon. I think that big sow I posted about we killed, she had, what did I say? Like a, at least a pint of fat off her. Rendered. So, yeah. No, no, no. Just oh, raw fat. Okay. Um, yeah, off of one sow. So that was, I was kind of blown away at that. I'm like, man, this stuff's just getting thrown away, wasted, um, or whatever. So um, I was cleaning them, saving the fat. We would eat the sows, um, just like almost like we would squirrel. Sure. Yeah. It's really I've eaten similar. Them too. I'd say the meat is real similar like to bear and squirrel if you were to combine those two together. Um, and. Most of the high, I've tanned half the hides of the coons I've killed with Timey this year. And that's been a lot of fun for me because I just love working with my hands. So I've been enjoying that. And I don't know, maybe keep them, make stuff out of them for people. I don't know. <laughs> but I couldn't throw any of it away. I just can't. I'm not that kind of person. So That's so awesome. Like you got into this and you went even deeper down head first diving into it than I did you know you're getting your hands dirty which you know was part of your lifestyle and your job in the first place but you know to use these these resources the fur the the hide the fat and and just go all in and eat it too like girl you are amazing that is this is wild well, I was raised by my grandmother, waste not, want not, you know. <laughs> All right. But, 
I uh, wouldn't say I'm a prepper necessarily, but I do think, you know, keeping that kind of knowledge alive is probably important or will be one day. I, I agree. Think, but. No, I, I think we can all agree on that. Um, oh. What's, uh, let's see, we're in May now. What's the one thing that you're really looking forward to by the end of coon season? I think seeing if Holly will treat a coon by herself for the end of the year. She'll be a year on New Year's Day. So oh, I think I'm just waiting for the leaves to fall yeah. so I can see what's in the tree. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, um, man, it's going to be fun. I And I hope you get to, to catch it on video. If, if not, you know, it'll be in your memory forever. But I am so looking forward to watching your journey with these dogs. And where can people find you on Instagram? If they want to follow uh, along, too. It's Whipperwill Farm, I think, right? I think that's what it is right now, but I don't remember how Instagram baby spell it. Maybe you can. Let's take a look. Hold on. Because um, that's how we found each other. Yeah, I think, um, I want to say, like, maybe I listened to your story on Houndman XP, and I was like, oh, man, this 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 is awesome. I got to talk to this chick, so I found you on Instagram. Yeah, it's Whipperwill FRM. Yeah, Farm. yeah, that's yep. it. Yep, and Kendall Wynn. Is Wynn your yep. last name or your middle name? Last name. Okay. Yeah, and, and she's got Timey and Holly and Gracie, the black and tan, which I haven't seen a whole lot of. Right? Yep. Yep. And then you're just all in into this lifestyle, and I love it. And thank you so much for, for interviewing for this short little segment, um, and I'm excited to see how you keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for connecting. And also just thanks for answering my questions when I reached out. I, I do know that that's a little weird <laughs> when strangers message you online. But I mean, that was really helpful for me to get advice from you. So yeah, I appreciate that. At this point, it happens quite a bit. And I'm happy to do it, especially if I know like, you've got good intentions and you're a genuine person. Um, so yeah, I'm anytime anytime and if I don't know the answer I know maybe my answer isn't good enough I'll get you the answer <laughs> I somehow that. yeah thank you so much yeah 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 well, thanks for the call yeah I love hearing the beginnings I, I it's it's still exciting I mean I'm not that far from the beginning myself and so I still get really excited to see people coming in to the lifestyle and uh yeah and just love it isn't it crazy that she got started hunting just in december and here we are in may and she's already that hooked on it yeah well i mean we both got hooked that fast too but still (laughs) (laughs) i saw my first rabbit race and i was a freaking addict right off right then but i do i love it i love it and i i personally love talking to beginners i i have like a fascination with uh, the excitement and energy of beginners and the wisdom and been there, done that vibes of people that have been doing it for 40 plus years. Um, I, I enjoy very much both ends of that spectrum. So uh, thanks, Lauren. That was really awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, what do I'm we got gonna, cooking, Seth? Uh, well, yeah, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna add any more filler than I need to guys. I want to move right into the next segment. The next segment is going to be a segment called Terrier Underground. Uh, I brought in a good friend of mine, Nate Valley. We've talked before. Patrons have heard him before. And uh, we're going to talk about his views on the Jack Russell Terrier moving forward. 
Nate, welcome to the Hounds and XP podcast, the all mixed up variety show, brother. How you doing? Good, Seth. We had a little bit of a mix up, but we got it all figured out. And I, I think actually this may be a blessing in disguise. So we're here. I'm using some fancy pants, super fast internet. And uh, I'm just glad we all made it work out. Yeah, it's good to be here talking to you. We're going to follow a theme for this episode. And this month is going to be moving forward. And with that theme, we're just going to be focusing on how different aspects of our lifestyle is going to be moving into the future and ideas and plans we have. So uh, before we get there, why don't you introduce yourself, brother, give yourself a little backstory. Our patrons remember you, but this is your first time debuting to the wide world. I'm Nate Valley. I'm from Michigan, um, up in the thumb. And I, I work Jack Russell Terriers, uh, underground, preferably. Um, usually on groundhogs, raccoons, uh, possums, and occasional fox. You're a man of many talents, brother. And one thing I like is that you mix two different complete styles of dogs. You're you're working a, a long dog in a place that you wouldn't really expect it. So I, I don't want to go down that road too far because I could spend a million hours talking about that dog you got from Michael. But why don't you explain briefly how you hunt with your dogs and then I'm going to get right to questioning you. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I cast my dogs out in front of me, uh, usually, you know, right at my feet, out 40, 50 yards. And they're just looking for a hot track, trying to find a groundhog that slipped into a hole or any little critter that they can go after. And, you know, keep them close so I can see them enter the ground. And uh, also I have a lurcher that we just mentioned, Kate. She's a long, she's a long dog. I use her as a lurcher. Um, she goes out in front of the terriers. She'll find the holes and let us know if something's there it's pretty cool that she uses her nose that's that's something that our dogs really aren't known for and i love to see the versatility a lot she's a very very versatile tool and what i call my toolbox of dogs is she uh has no problem catching any of your bolting game unless they get into the heavy stuff i'm assuming huh well even then she'll uh, if it doesn't slip into no other hole she'll She'll track it down and have it caught That's real awesome. quick. Yeah, <laughs> I got I to gotta rein it in, brother. I got to rein it in. <laughs> I don't know if people know this, but I love sight hounds. <laughs> yes, they're incredible. So I'm going to ask you a question that is, we'll, let's get this interview rocking and rolling. I'm going to ask you the first question that I took a little inspiration from Chris's episode when he was at the Bear Hunters gathering, but... The first question is, what makes a great terrier the foundation of moving forward? For me personally, drive is the number one key component. If you not have drive, you, you know, you can't have a good quality working dog, in my opinion, and everything else will follow. If you have the drive, you can add in other things or else you can make the other things come. Um, so that drive is crucial. 
Uh, you're talking about terriers that are going down into confined spot, spots, so they have to have a lot of drive to do it themselves with the grit. So explain exactly what drive means to some, because drive to a sighthound or to a coonhound may be different than drive to a terrier. What in that definition are you looking for specifically for a terrier? Yep, so the, the drive to be able to push into the ground and pursue an animal you know, without hesitation, um, if it gets really tight, they'll, they're able to dig through the tight spots um, and just push, you know, do everything they have to get to that animal. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not, you know, coming out of the ground, going back in. They're just, they're focused. And the only thing they want to do is get to that animal. And they're, they're going to so do tough. everything they can <laughs> to get there. Yeah. I love so, how you know, that. That's that is my, you know, perspective of drive uh, for a terrier and throwing in that drive, the grit Um, groundhogs like to dig away from a dog. Um, They need to build a, keep that animal occupied um, until I can get there or they can get it out of the ground themselves. So that drive and grit together, if you don't have those, it um it's you can have terrible. a good dog but you're not gonna have a great, you know you're not gonna have a great dog yeah so i'm gonna take a quick tangent here because that blows my mind so a groundhog will like dig away instead of just turning in its burrow i always imagined a burrow being like a static chamber underground but i never thought that they could excavate away from the dogs yeah they're they're diggers um they will it's amazing they will get to the smallest spot they can to try to get away from the dog. And we have it on camera. Um, you stick a camera in there and they start caving in the tunnel when wow. the dog's coming. Like a, is it um, like an endoscope kind of thing? Uh, for the camera? Yeah. Uh, sticking GoPros in there. And, oh, that's you know, awesome. <laughs> breaking open on the side of a, t- uh, of a, of a tube or a tunnel. Yeah. And you can kind of watch it like it's on TV. It's pretty cool. I would love to see that. (laughs) I have a fascination with this. It's, I thought beagle hunting was the opposite of what I do, but no, this, this is the opposite of what I do. And you use one of my kind of dogs, which I love. That's awesome. Shows you how versatile they can be. So So go ahead. Yeah. So that, you know, those two together just kind of, kind of sums it up for me grit and drive you want a dog that's ready to go in there no questions asked and also be tough and hold it down i love that yeah it, you know in size size is very important to us we want we want a smaller dog and for our train here in michigan you know 11 and a half 12 inch dogs ideal but if you got the drive and the grit in a dog you know size it they'll be able to push through all right so i got another question for you if you were to build your perfect Jack Russell Terrier, what would it be? What would it look like? This is yeah, the foundation is a, for moving forward. Yeah, this is kind of a difficult question because it's such a versatile little dog. They have so many different animals that they pursue. Um, so, you you know, there's a lot of different dogs to put together to make the perfect dog that's able to keep up digging after a groundhog, one that's got enough structure and bone and depth to engage in a, in a large raccoon and, you know, a fox. Fox is just as big as a lot of these dogs. So 
all three of those animals are very much, um, they're all different and Mm -hmm. it takes a different dog to be really good at each one of those. So to kind of combine all those together, I'm looking to try to find a dog that's 11 and a half to 12 inches at the shoulders, a nice spanable chest. Um, Define spanable chest. If you take your hands and you make a circle with them, you know, tips of your fingers. And that is how I span a chest. Oh, dang. And that's not very big. If you put your hands together and look at that, you know, that's, that's pretty small. It's a little bit bigger than a softball. Um, Maybe, maybe a football, get your hands around. Um, So their chest needs to be very flexible and that allows them to push tighter and get to places that they need to go. What an amazing animal. People listening to this, take one second, put your hands together. Now imagine going down a hole in the pitch black and engaging something underground, mouth to nose, and you're in an area this big. That is, that is absolutely that's badass. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it really is. And that that's one of the questions that I don't know and no one can really answer is when a dog is that it's that dark. You know, they know when to engage, how to engage, and they do it correctly. <laughs> how? How do they do they just learn from experience by so, sound and smell, you think, and experience? Uh, it's gotta be a combination of smell, feel. I don't know, you know, they're yeah. Um some people say that, you know, they're their whiskers, they can feel Yeah, maybe. You know, it it I think it's just a combination of everything. Um, you get a really good little dog, and this is one of the things I look for, is if they're going to latch on to the animal. They need to do it properly so that we don't have vet bills. Yeah. And a good dog will wait for that animal to make a mistake. And as soon as they turn their head, they make their move. In the pitch black. (laughs) In the pitch black. They, you know, uh, you just try to imagine getting put into a room with a, you know. Yeah. That's incredible. uh, Yeah. So, you know, what you, what are you going to, what are your thoughts on that? You know, so that's kind of <laughs> what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. That's, I just, I can't get enough of it. I'm really holding back from geeking out at the thought. <laughs> so, um, and you know, another, another big thing is bone. Um, you'll see a lot of very fine terriers that are, you know, pets and you get a very fine bone. It doesn't take much for an animal to put a lot of pressure on that dog and create vet bills and, substantial damage to the dog but uh you know too much bone uh for where i'm at i don't need to i I just like a nice solid dog Mm -hmm. yeah so a good a good width of the chest and a nice solid body structure with a good brain between those eyes yeah that's exactly it i like that that sounds pretty reasonable to me (laughs) the next question i'm going to ask you is Everybody loves their own lineage if they've been hunting them a long time like you have, but no lineage is perfect. And I think every hound hunter, part of the fun of hound hunting is like 
looking forward to the future. Where would you like to move your lineage of the Jack Russell Terrier forward? I've been very lucky uh, the last five years. I got a line of dogs that really works well for me. Um, a lot of the things that I look for, I, I, I'm getting in these lines and it's being reproduced. Um, so if I can hold that, that line together, it's starting to die out the old, the, the real strong dogs in that, in that generation and pedigree, they're really, um, unfortunately a lot of them have passed and I have, there's very few in this country to work with that have that, that pedigree that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So for me, keeping that line going as long as I can and as tight as I can to produce the dog that is great for my conditions. You know, that's my goal is to be able to carry these lines on and produce all the things that we mentioned before. So you breathe pretty tight, I assume. Are you keeping a line breed or are you bringing in some other genetics sometimes outcross? In, in, in Jack Russell's, it's very tough. The, the number of dogs that are in this country that are working and to working that how I like them is very few and far between. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, it's going to, I'm going to try to keep it fairly tight. Do you, um, do you foresee I, that being an issue down the line in 20 years? I do. Um, I I think the way that the Jack Russells are going, unfortunately, there's becoming fewer and fewer. So for me, it's very important to educate and you know promote and protect this breed. So if I can, you know, help others to understand a good quality working dog, you know, that's very important to me, and I take mm-hmm. that as a passion. Absolutely. So, um, in 10, 15 years, I hope that I can have a dog that still looks like my ideal dog that I have in my kennel today. Well, you really answered one of my other questions. I was going to ask you really nicely. I was going to see, what do you think of the future of the hunting Jack Russell Terrier? And I guess apparently you think it's going to, it's waning. It's in its waning days. It, it really is. If you, um, look at the, the population of people that are doing this, uh, unfortunately, a lot of them are older, and there's fewer and fewer young people getting involved in doing this. So I just jump at the opportunity for anybody that's – if there's anybody out there that wants to try working a terrier, you know, just, just hit me up. I'm excited to take new people all the time because if I can just get one person, you know, sink that hook – and give them a little bit of the joy and that I, I find in these dogs, that would be, well, that just makes, you know, makes it worth it for me. You're talking to one right now. So <laughs> I plan yeah, to come and I'll bring another GoPro. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to get you up here. Um, you know, and I was going to ask you too to elaborate on that. Do you think it's terrier hunting as a whole that's waning? Or do you think it's just these lines of Jack Russell terriers? Cause I, I see a lot of Patterdale guys. I see they may be hunting a lot differently than you. What do you think? Is it terrier hunting in general or? Is it I just- mean, don't, don't get me wrong. There's, there's other, other lines that are, they're doing good work. Um, 
but the terrain and the terrain in this country is so versatile. I mean, there's mm-hmm. different terrain, you know, you can, it's this country is so big. Yeah. Um, everybody needs a little something different. I see. So, you know, everybody's breeding a little something to what suits them best. Yeah. And if I go to breed to somebody that's you know, 15 hours away, there's a, there's a decent chance, you know, that they're not, their train is not the same as mine. Gotcha. So you're saying your type of earth yep. dog is on the decline. Yeah, it, it really is. That's a shame. It, it is. Do you think in other parts of the world, it's still going strong? I know that in Europe, there's a pretty strong tradition of earth dog hunting. It's, you know, like we hear a lot, we have to be very careful what we do and how we present it. Terrier folks need to really push pest control. We're not out, you know, we're not out there hunting. We're not uh, sending our dogs into rag on animals. We are doing pest control to manage pests. And if we can keep the good ethics behind all of this, I think we stand a chance to stand up for ourselves. I think you're absolutely right with that. And I think that's a really important way to look at it. I never even thought of. You're, you're right. I mean, when you can attach these positive views and, and true work attached to their name, I, yeah, man, I think you're onto something. So that's kind of my, you know, that's my future. What my future looks like um, is really protect, promote, um, and to try to do it ethically. Mm-hmm. I guess, uh, man, you, uh, you're a master of answering multiple questions. Good answers. <laughs> Let me ask you something. And this is a tough question. So I'm going to ask you a two pronger. First one, if you were to move out of Jack Russell Terriers, what terrier breed do you think would suit you the best and why? Yeah, that, that's, that's a tough one. Um, the way the number of dog terriers that are in this country, I would probably go to a Patterdale. Why is that? They have a lot. Well, there's certain lines that have lots of drive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that also needs to be controlled. Yeah. They're a, <laughs> they're a crazy little dog. Oh my yes. gosh. Um, I really, I have a real liking for border terriers but there's if there's five in this country, I don't know about them and I'd like to know where they're at. Huh. Um, I would probably, I'd probably import a dog from across the pond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, we, we had Scott on and he, he was talking about Scott Allen was talking about how in France and Britain, you know, they're still doing it and totally differently. So, and I, uh, I would love to have you back on or in person. We can, we can go on a hunt together. I'd like to have more explaining on how you hunt and how cool it is, all the cool gadgets. And I think people don't realize that terrier hunters are digging like five foot deep holes all the time to find these animals and their dogs, which is, if that's not the most manly form of hunting with dogs, I really don't know. That's super badass. I just, I just walk and watch like super empowered speed mutants do their thing. I don't have to do any physical output whatsoever. Yeah, it takes it takes a little bit of physical work. You got to be prepared for every 
the best situation and the worst situation. These little dogs get us in <laughs> the darnest situation sometimes. They're not going to back down either. That's the thing. Right. <laughs> well, here's the second part of my question. This can be a tough one. But as a whole, not just for your lines, as a whole, moving forward, what would you like to see with the Jack Russell breed to be improved? I would like to see that more people that have these dogs get out and work them consistently. It seems to be kind of a, you know, an old English fantasy to have a working terrier. Um, forever, what reason that is, I'm not sure. And there's a lot of people that, that work their dogs one, two, three times a year. And I'd like to, really see those folks getting out more and mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is there just needs to be more educated people that Definitely. make those you know to get folks more comfortable and that's kind of our role as leaders in the hound hunting community and I don't say ours as in you and I I mean ours as everybody in this this lifestyle if we want to continue our our lifestyle forward like you said earlier and how we've said many times on the show, you got to be a leader. You got to be bringing people out and, and showing what our dogs do and how much they love it. And we love it and how we're still an integral part of the landscape. Yes, definitely. I, I think uh, you're absolutely right in that regard. I, I see a lot of working breeds, historic working breeds that have been diluted or denuded by the show ring. And I don't mean that there's not good show dogs that can still perform their original tasks. That's not what I mean, but like the Saluki is a classic example. There are still some lines that can be shown and win and also still catch a rabbit, but you see a lot of them dancing around the show ring with frail bones and their hair super long and they have just, and their gates weird. They've totally lost touch with this rugged, powerful desert hound. And I feel that a lot of people that are want a little dog, get a terrier as a pet. And I always kind of roll my eyes when they're upset. It kills a bird or something. Cause those little dogs are gladiators the size of a football (laughs) they are capable of much more than people anticipate Um, you know and i I think i think what i would like to see for the future of the breed and whole is it's all right to do the whole show ring confirmation um but it's always such a big deal to breed to the dog that's winning in the show ring the most. And I, I believe that if you breed to a very solid working dog, everything will follow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fun. There's people talk about function and form. If the dog can perform in the field, Everything else will follow. Form follows function. That's right. I hear that often in the sighthound community, and I couldn't agree more. If you got a dog that's staying sound out there and he's catching rock-hard rabbits out there on the prairie consistently, he's got to have some kind of formula right, not just under the hood, but the chassis itself, and I couldn't agree more. That's that's exactly how I feel. Last question, brother, and this is going to be a one that requires a, a little surprise here, but... What about yourself? Where do you see yourself moving forward to improve yourself as a terrier hunter and a Jack Russell terrier man? 
Big thing for me is I'm not getting any younger. So my physical, my physical um, abilities, I I plan to, you know, run half marathons, stay as um, best physical condition I can, um, and I wouldn't mind dabbling in maybe some other breeds. Different yeah. styles or different terrier breeds? Different terrier breeds wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Maybe if I could, if I could find the perfect thing that really caught my eye, I would, I would definitely try. The internet has made that so much better. I mean, look, you, you met a person who lives in Colorado and breeds sighthounds, you know? That's exactly it. Yeah. Moving forward is just such a fun and, and interesting topic and, and hound hunting. And I, I think about it all the time, my improving myself, improving my lines. And I've only been doing it. This is my fifth season coming up. And so I don't really have this foundation of my own lines. I've never bred my own dogs. I plan to one day, but I, I love to think about it. And I have a good friend and mentor who we're constantly scheming. So I, I love to ask these kinds of questions to people. I am going to, uh, I'm going to keep you on the line, Nate. I love talking with you, brother. Keep you in the keep you in the loop. And everyone listening, I definitely intend to get up there to the thumb of Michigan and uh, get my thumbs around a powerful shovel and hopefully not look like a wimp with chicken legs in front of Nate while he laughs at me digging. <laughs> I am the opposite of a human badger. I'm like a human saluki. I got these long, skinny limbs. I was built to run. <laughs> after after we get done with you, Seth, you'll enjoy your buggy. <laughs> Well, Nate, hey, thanks for coming on, brother. And with that, I'm just going to embarrassingly slink away and end the recording. <laughs> thanks again, brother. I appreciate it. I just want to throw right. a special yeah. shout out to Nate. Thanks, Nate, for coming up. And Nate, you are the bomb. He reached out to me um, about maybe three, four months ago, and we just kind of chatted. I uh, definitely want to get up there and hunt with him. He is, He's definitely got some cool dogs, and I just need to work on my shoulders and biceps game by digging a little bit. You know what I mean? I need to beefing up. I, I got these skinny legs of a sighthound. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would be on fire. Like, my whole body would be on fire. It's just totally different muscle groups than you use, like, chasing after dogs and hitting your head on the tree in the woods. Well, dude, you're not too <laughs> far, actually. You should come with me. I just thought about that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, hey, Hounds and XP, you heard it. It's now out for the entire world. Lauren, you got to come with me now. Come with me now. Isn't there a song <laughs> that's like that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know what young people oh. are listening to anymore. It's no, it's not a, it's not a new song. Oh, well then I'm just going to use my Luddite defense. When I don't know any pop culture, anything, I just, uh, I just use my luddite defense it's okay you were raised in like rural tweakerville so (laughs) (laughs) that hurt more than you know (laughs) yeah well but you've got intact teeth so that's true actually i just had them cleaned the day we recorded this so they're extra clean for british columbia canadians get ready for these flashy white grills baby and with that perfect segue let's have a word from our friends at freedom hunters Houndsman XP is very proud of our partnership with the organization Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters is a nonprofit organization that takes America's veterans hunting 
from field to field, from the battlefield to a field near you when you volunteer your time to take America's Warriors hunting with you and your hounds. It's easy. Go to houndsmanxp.com, click on the partnership tab, and it will take you to Freedom Hunters. You can go direct to their website to make donations at freedomhunters.org. Support America's heroes. Let's pay it back. Visit Freedom Hunters at freedomhunters.org or go to houndsmanxp.com and you can find them on our website from field to field. <laughs> that was my automatopoeia. <laughs> yep, love it. I don't got anything else to add after those segments, Lauren. You got anything else you want to add to the Houndsman XP world? Besides, thanks for tuning in to our first show, All Mixed Up, and uh, that I'm excited to keep bringing out more, and we want to hear your feedback. You got anything else, Lauren? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for bearing with us. I mean, I'm sure we're going to work out some uh, details and kinks and whatever else as things move along and we get better at what we're doing here but we're hoping to bring you an entertaining episode every time that is going to be different every time so stay tuned different themes different segments different people we want to focus on fun not that we're saying houndsman xp ain't fun but seth and lauren we are the emperors of fun and so we want to we want to bring cool stories and cool fun exciting fresh stuff to you guys and uh, maybe some topics and things that we have not heard about on the other, the main flagship show. So this is kind of a place for us to be bringing up some stuff. I'm, I want to be talking about taxidermy and uh, some other cool, slightly off hound topic, but still in the dog and hunting world. So stay yeah, tuned, guys. Yeah, like utilizing um, our resources. Yes. Like taxidermy, but also, you know, what what can Lauren do with a raccoon? <laughs> what can someone do? I want to bring on some, uh, I want to bring on some chefs that talk about, uh, well, we got a lot in the root works guys. We got a lot in the works. I don't want to spill too much out. So just stay tuned everyone. We, we love working for Houndsman XP and uh, we really hope you guys will come to enjoy our show. Uh, like Lauren said, it's a work in progress and we'll get there, but Lauren dude, thanks for, thanks for joining me. Yeah. See you next time. <laughs>